0: As you all know by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code just baseball and you will get up to a 1500 dollars first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works one download the betmgm app and sign up using bonus code just two deposit at least ten dollars and place your first wager on any game three you will receive up to fifteen hundred dollars in bonus bets if your bet loses just make sure you use bonus code just baseball when you sign up disclaimer betmgm.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager u.s promotional offers not available in dc new york or ontario gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in colorado dc illinois indiana kansas louisiana maryland mississippi new jersey nevada ohio pennsylvania tennessee Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877 8 ny or text hope ny to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JustBaseball and get your $1500 first bet offer today.
1: And five, seven,
0: December 7th here on the Just Baseball Show. It is the free agency predictions episode. We had to get it done. Unfortunately, we've had a little bit of a quiet winter meetings. We're here to predict it all. And right in this sweet spot of where is Juan Soto going to go, we're going to predict it here live on the Just Baseball Show. Jack McMullen, RM Layton, sponsored by BetMGM. Remember to use code Baseball 1,500 in bonus bets. We got a lot of people to discuss. The Big Fish, Shohei Otani, what's up, boys?
2: How are we living? Uh, I'm excited to do this. I think it's gonna be more of like a rapid fire. And, you know, like we could spend 10 minutes talking about each guy, but you've gotten the lowdown from us on each of these guys already. So I, I really think this is an opportunity to lay our conspiracy theories out there. And um, you know, hey, do I, Where do I think Yamamoto is going to go? Why do I think it's fit? Move on. You know, you you guys hit me with the same thing. I think it's going to be good, and we're going to work at a quick pace because we got a lot of
0: guys to go through. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I, I was going to say it's funny. I was I was wondering if you know when we had to delay this episode by a day, if if the Soto deal would be done by then, with the way things are reported. But it's funny. It's like you, you get one player. Uh, tied to a couple New York teams or one New York team, all of a sudden everybody has a bunch of nothing scoops. And I always think that's so funny. So the Soto sweepstakes continues to progress apparently, but then doesn't progress at all. Um, and and that's what's always wonderful about the winter meeting. So I'm glad we can get all these in. I, there's a bunch of players that I have wild theories about, and I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say because we have not consulted each other on these either, which is always a fun rankle. But before we got to talk about a
0: trade that did go through Alex Verdugo is headed to the New York Yankees in exchange for right handers, Richard Fitz, also known as Dick Fitz, Greg Weissert and Nicholas Judas, three minor league arms arm before we get into the ramifications of Verdugo heading to New York, the seventh or eighth trade in the history of these two franchises doing it. Tell us a little bit about Dick Fitz. How's Dick?
1: I, I, You know, it's so funny. I didn't know so many people called him Dick Fitz. Uh, in ter- obviously, he doesn't get called that in games, but I've been <laughs> seeing so many people on social media calling him Dick Fitz, which I had no idea. Um, I did know that he is a good slider, though, and uh, I think that's kind of been the... The, the, the calling card for him. And, and what's interesting is it, it, you were never going to get, you know, a, an impact, impact prospect for one year of Alex Verdugo at, you know, what, what is it, nine million or whatever it may be. I think so. And just w- with the down year that he had and, you know, some of the things that I think he kind of got into uh, on and off the field at times. But Fitz is is a good get for the Red Sox, a system that really needs pitching. And, um, you know, they get a guy that I think has a decent shot at being a five starter. Uh, Worst case, can be a solid swingman type. He's going to be 24 years old when the season starts. But fastball, 94, 95. Slider is good at 84, 85. Fills up the zone with it. And that's a a well above average pitch. And then still trying to figure out which of his – Change up cutter or curveball stands out as the third pitch, but at least he has different options at a third pitch. I think he's going to be an arm that probably ends up pitching for them at some point this year, uh, unless they add a bunch of different arms, uh, which we know the Red Sox may be aggressive in that respect. Then six foot eight project that they also added in there. Um, I don't think he's pitched at all. So if you can't find the fangraphs page, that's why. And why cert, obviously. Uh nasty slider, iffy command. Uh, didn't quite come together for him at the big league level, but he's got some good stuff. um, If it can come together and be a relief piece for, for the Red Sox. And the Yankees get Alex Verdugo. Now Alex Verdugo has an interesting
0: relationship here. um, At just baseball. Uh, There's a lot of Red Sox fans um, that work for just baseball. And they were very high on Alex Verdugo and some other of us, you know, me being a Yankee fan or being a a born hater uh, was against Alex Verdugo. And it was more about the fact that we have a corner outfielder hitting 10 to 15 home runs, not really stealing many bags plays all right defense, but how impactful will Alex Verdugo be for the New York Yankees in 2024? You can look on a positive side and say, well, The relationship didn't seem that great between Verdugo and the Red Sox. Maybe going crosstown rivals, maybe he wants to stick it to the Red Sox. It's also a contract year for an Alex Verdugo. Is this one of the year where he's 28 years old and he bottles all of that up and ends up being a really good season? Sure. But at the same time, what is a really good season for Alex Verdugo? In 2020, which was a shortened year, he was a 125 WRC plus guy. That sounds great. But can he do that for a full 162? He has not yet. in Since 2021, him and Andrew Benintendi, 102 and 103 WRC+. plus. That's the type of hitter that Verdugo has been. And Verdugo, if you have a 102 WRC+, plus guys, right, you're 2% above league average hitter, and you play great defense, it's a pretty good outfielder. But he doesn't. He plays okay defense in a corner and could not stick in center so i thought when the trade first went down i was a little bit upset i don't love alex verdugo but i'm okay having him on our team if it means that they are going to make more moves will they include him in a deal for juan soto the padres want to remain competitive they're still going to need an outfielder but now we're hearing reports that verdugo will not be included that he is a part of the Yankees outfield future. And when I go through the roster resource and we talk about some of the top prospects that are coming up with the Yankees guys who we've already seen like Everson Pereira, but then what about Spencer Jones coming up, right? It's a year, but they have just so much outfield depth. They're picking up Oscar Gonzalez. They still have Oswaldo Cabrera, right? You still have Stanton. You still have the Martian. There's only three outfield spots here and outfield depth is not a problem. Right, but there's only so many spots to fill, Jack. So, a couple things here. Um, Alex
2: Verdugo is better than Oscar Gonzalez. Alex Verdugo is better than Everson Pereira for a full year. Spencer Jones is probably not going to debut this year. I, odds of him debuting this year, arm 5%. He'd
1: have, to go, he'd have to go nuclear. Yeah, five. Right, very slim.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, Dominguez is hurt. Like, Dominguez has a torn ACL. So, UCL. It, UCL. UCL. Yeah, sorry. Um I I would just not I would not let anybody that's in the fold right now stop you from, you know, thinking about Verdugo as a starting outfielder because Alex Verdugo is a starting outfielder in Major League Baseball. Is he a good one?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. Um but like is he a great one? No. This was just the Benintendi deal all over again for for a, for a greater return, I'd say, because you get a year of Verdugo. You got two months of Benintendi for Chandler Champlain, TJ Sakema, Beckway. So pitching depth. Here, you get a year of Verdugo for Fitz, Weissert, and Judas, which is pitching depth. Two bullpen arms, but a starter and a, and a better one than any of those three that went to Kansas City.
1: That was the name Judas, six foot eight. That's the six foot eight project that I was referring to. I couldn't pull the name off the top of my head there. Thank you for that. But yeah, it's that's it's it seems like a little bit better of a package. But Beckway at the time was kind of on the Richard Fitz track. He was looking pretty good and just hasn't you know quite put it together to the same degree. I think Fitz is better uh, than any of those guys included, but it's it's pretty close. It's almost exactly the same kind of deal that we saw. So you know, I don't think the Yankees are going to miss any of these guys. I think it's just very funny that verdugo ends up being the guy that comes over i will say the one thing that and the last thing i'll say on this is that to peter's point on the depth situation or just i think kind of just where these at-bats get allocated in a world with where juan soto gets acquired right let's say they get juan soto you've got the martian eventually coming back it's not gonna be out that long you're hoping that he'll be back at some point you know relatively early in the season so you have Judge in center Verdugo in in left and or Soto or in right and Soto in, in the other corner um Stanton DHing as long as he's healthy um but then what do you do when Dominguez comes back and you how, you know how, how I, I guess they're assuming that Stanton's hurt by then I, <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> I, I was going to count- say
0: Brian Cashman did say this offseason that he wanted to add two left-handed outfielders. That was his big point. He's going to, I'm thinking you're saying like, I want lefties. Do they want why outfield though? Because I want to give an opportunity to a guy like Everson Pereira, right? Like if we have the depth there, you know, you still have Estevan Floreal who every single time he comes up to the big leagues, just never performs, but then goes back down to AAA and becomes Babe Ruth down there. But there is something there, right? So, I am a little bit confused why we're trading pitching depth in order to get more outfield when it seems that the Yankees have an influx of outfield.
2: Now, let me ask you, as I I want to tap into your Yankee fandom here, you say you want to give Pereira a shot. He got 27 games. What about those 27 games inspired you to give him an extended look on a team that has World Series aspirations?
0: No, it's a very, very good point. What inspired me there? Because the bat he hit a buck. Not, fifty. In, exactly. The bat did not inspire me. But arm, like, we've talked about him before. He was a top prospect for a reason, oh, right? No. He's not just some rando, right? So if you give him a little bit more run, is he a lot cheaper? Is he's a homegrown guy, at least giving him that opportunity. I just don't know if the difference between giving him an opportunity and Alex Verdugo is going to be that severe. Maybe it is right? Maybe Verdugo does have a great year in Yankee Stadium, and everybody is talking about the short porch, but on baseball savant, you can see how many home runs (laughs) a guy would hit in each individual ballpark. He hit 13 home runs last year, and everyone's talking about the short porch, right? You might think that's 20. Nope, 12. It was even less,
1: right? He's a 45% ground ball rate, so he's not a guy that's going to, like, totally benefit from it. I will say, too, it, it, it's I think it's really them trying to up that bottom line, um, which is fine. You're where I get it. you're plugging in these young guys. They could be a, a black hole uh, of offensive production. You know, at the very least, you're going to get league average offense from Verdugo. You're hoping you're going to get more and, and you're hoping that contract, you're all the things that you said, you know, work in their favor. But, yeah, you know, at the very least, you're getting a, something close to league average production. And, you know, that that's something that the Yankees kind of needed last year not a bad point
0: jack you have any follow-ups on this one overall i think it was a fine trade if i'm the red sox i'm pretty happy with the return right and craig breslow their new gm pretty ballsy move by him right you come in and you trade a guy who was a relative fan favorite even though the of course that relationship i i when I say fan favorite, he is very polarizing. Like I think a lot of Red Sox fans love him, and a lot of Red Sox fans don't care for him at all. Um, but it was a big move, right? You come in, you're a new GM, and you're trading a guy who it looks as if he could be a part of the future. He was the main piece in the Mookie Betts deal, but it's clear that they want to move on to some of their younger prospects in the outfield, like sedane Rafaela, and then, of course, the emergence of Jaron Duran. So let's just quickly touch on the Red Sox side of it. Wow. Um, yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, um, I, I was just going to say Tyler Milliken, who I think is a good listener to the show. A, and Tyler follows us. I know Tyler does uh, some stuff with Jared Karabas, uh, that Red Sox podcast that they do. But he's also a, a local guy in Boston. But Chris Cotillo, I think, is one of the best beat writers in baseball. Um, he's the Red Sox beat guy for Mass Live. Um, and, and Tyler tweeted out, Chris Cotillo is some interesting context to Alex Cora's influence in dealing Alex Verdugo. Quote, by the time Cora pulled Verdugo out of the lineup before a game after he arrived at the ballpark late, it was clear the sides were headed for divorce. And according to sources, Cora wasn't shy about expressing his desire for Verdugo to be dealt in recent months. So you say fan favorite. He wasn't the manager's favorite. And when you're not yeah. the manager's favorite, it's hard to find a spot in that lineup.
0: I know, but he he's he's got that exciting personality, yeah. right? Like um, yeah, I was but even an exciting personality
2: dad. with an 100 OPS plus. What does that give you?
0: I'm just saying. I think he was a fan favorite. That's all I'm saying. I think fans I, I would went love to the to ballpark know. and enjoyed Alex Verdugo.
1: I would love to know where Red Sox fans finished with him because I know they they loved him, but where where you know where were they at by the time? Now they're probably going to hate him, but yeah, I, yeah, I'd love to see the arc there. I think by the time he was getting benched and not hustling and things like that, I I do think he kind of left some fans with a, with a bad taste in their mouth. And uh, hopefully, he you know feels a little bit re- revitalized and, and a new new I guess a change of scenery there. And I will say jaron duran's emergence some of these other pieces uh you know, sedan raffaello actually looking pretty good through spurts i think they feel pretty good about their outfield situation and you know we're happy to move off of, of verdugo and probably allocate some of that money that they saved to you know go get somebody because we know they're they're planning on spending which we're going to get to right now
0: it's also fascinating too last point of course he's not emmanuel ramirez he's not a david ortiz he's not a great hitter that yankee fans hated but there is an element of when the Yankees play the Red Sox, Yankee fans do not like Alex Verdugo. Like There have been plenty of clips of Alex Verdugo screaming at Yankee fans plenty right in the stands. Like There's that rivalry there. And then for him to come over to the New York Yankees, it's going to take Yankee fans, I think, a little bit of time to adjust Alex Verdugo. And the thing is why I'm interested to see how the first couple of months go, if he is already quote unquote a hated player just because he was on the rival team and had an edge to him and then he struggles how are yankee fans going to take that because they don't normally take things like that all that well no
1: not at all so it'll be interesting a lot of pressure for him
0: a lot of pressure for him let's start free agency predictions i'm going to go through the guys that we're going to talk about of course shohei otani ever heard of him yoshinobu yamamoto cody bellinger matt chapman Jung-Hoo Lee coming over from the KBO, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Marcus Stroman, Josh Hader, Shoto Imananga, and then we're also going to go through some trade candidates. Juan Soto, Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, Tyler Glasnow, Randy Rosarena, and Isak Paredes. But before we get to that, a quick break. All right. Where the hell is Shohei Ohtani going? <laughs> the big question of the offseason. We got to talk years. We got to talk money. I just think it's so funny before we even get into it. Remember at the beginning, we the teams who leaked meeting info, Shohei was going to hold it against them. And now every team that seems connected with them are hearing about the meeting info. Just, except I just want to talk about that before we even make predictions. Except, except for, for one, one of them. There yeah. is one
1: team that isn't making is, anything. It is really funny that you have the Pirates. To, yeah, you have to <laughs> legitimately sign an NDA to have a chance at signing the the most coveted free agent, maybe in in, in the sports history it's just the most baseball thing ever and i show he has the right to to go about it however he wants to go about it it's his life it's his business decision it's it's his career but it's just so classic baseball like we talk about mike trout just liking the weather and the eagles and you know now you have <laughs> one of the most marketable you know exciting players ever and this could be the craziest sweepstakes and remember people were following peyton manning in helicopters when when he was you know going through his free agency and that was like after a neck surgery this guy's in his prime. I, I just, I think it's nuts. Uh, I think it's wild. Uh, I we saw how how insane it was when Dave Roberts they they literally said, "Hey, he made a mistake." Basically, we're, we're not even. They didn't even have his back on that one. Um, but I will say, there's one team that hasn't, and I know it's the team that Jack and I are both predicting him to go to. And I haven't heard a peep from them about anything. They've been iron tight. I also I love Jack. what we. Should.
0: I also love when we do this. We don't know who we all predicted. We all have our own Google Docs. Of course, Jack's on a OneNote. But we all have our predictions. We haven't talked about this. So I'm excited to see how the conversation goes because they seem aligned. I'm out, right? I don't know who they picked, but who knows? Maybe we might all have the same answer. I want to offer this as a precursor. The
2: 2024 competitive balance tax threshold is $237 million. So 237 is where you're going to start to pay penalties. As of right now, the Phillies are at 223. The Mets are at 220. Yankees at 203. Atlanta at 202. Everybody else is under 200. So those are the only teams that are... "Quote unquote," strapped. Even though we know that Stevie Big Bucks in in Queens has no problem paying that tax, and I would assume that the Yankees have no problem paying that tax too, and I, I bet the Phillies have no problem paying that tax. We will see. Um,
1: Show. You forgot,
0: you forgot that the Padres are taking out a loan to pay that tax as well.
1: Uh, last year, not this year. So they're, making, this year, now I, they're I, avoiding I was, it at all.
0: I just, I just made a joke about them being poor. That's understood. Understood.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, Dave Roberts he actually let the cat out of the bag and and he knew that he fucked up as soon as he did that. And Brandon Gomes, the Dodger GM, kind of acknowledged that Dave shouldn't have done that. Uh, Ron Washington, because the Angels are still somehow involved in the Otani sweepstakes, said, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, which is indeed letting the cat out of the bag when you do that. Um, Ross Atkins did his best. I don't know when he was asked where he was over the last couple of days. There's one team that has not made any comment on shohei ohtani and it's where he's going and i've been saying it since february he's going to be a san francisco giant they have over 100 million dollars in leeway right now they're 13th in payroll in 2024 they've got no star power we've talked about that they're yearning for star power and there's no bigger star in baseball
1: arm i'm with i'm same thing i'm i am i i've thought giants for a long time now and I think once they missed on judge I I was even more in on it and Korea and Korea, yep. I they they've been begging to spend money. Here's your chance. A little bit more than you thought, but 11 years, 520, something like that. I think Shohei Otani's a giant. The Dodgers are in a similar spot. They've cleared a lot
0: of payroll too. I think their payroll going into this year right now is around the 130 million mark. So I think the Giants are a little bit you know, in front of them in terms of having less salary committed in 2024, but the Dodgers have been kind of doing the same thing. So they're both in the front running. But I got a gut feeling, gentlemen, and I've been wrong before, but I've been sometimes right. I think he's going to be a Los Angeles angel still. I think there is... That That was my initial fear, too. I think there is... You know, the narrative around baseball, he's got to get out of there. He's got to get out of there. He's got to go the Dodgers or the Giants or a team that's winning because we need to see the greatest baseball player in terms of talent because he still needs to do it for more years to be considered the greatest baseball player ever. But we know what Shohei Otani is. Did I mention that he's fast? Yes. People want to just push him out, but I think there is a level of comfort there, and I always found it interesting that when he came over from Japan and took a lot less money because he could have made trillions in Japan if he stayed. But he decided to go to the Los Angeles Angels. And I still felt like that decision, something meant more that maybe has never come out. And I think if the Angels offer a competitive contract, there might still be the allure. They said they don't want to trade Mike Trout, so he's going to stay there. And we know the Angels, they are willing to give out enormous contracts and they're also moving some contracts off the books i think there's an element of comfort for shohei and i still think he stays with the angels i got him going to the angels for 11 years at 550 million dollars
1: wow yeah, see? So yeah i was gonna say just the one thing for me was to- I talked about them not trading him at the deadline because I thought, you know, you got to preserve your last chance at, at keeping him. And then they did that. And then they did that waiver thing. <laughs> and I was like, all right, he might want out after that. And that's where I like I, I switched gears. I could see that. I definitely think there's a chance. I think it'd be one of the worst things that could happen for baseball, though. Me too. To hold, oh, it would be terrible to hold the best star hostage with the other best star. When <laughs> like, it's just we It would be the worst thing. But I think it's very possible. Yeah. Will said, did you see his most recent follow on Instagram, Otani?
0: And Reldon Simmons. Logan Webb. Oh. Fascinating. <laughs> but I think they're, it is funny though that everyone else, every other baseball podcast around America, every article that's ever been written about Shohei in the last couple of months has him to the Dodgers and neither of us do. Yeah. No. I do think the Dodgers are more likely than the Giants. I just don't know why he would go to the Giants other than it makes so much sense for the Giants, right? Because if you want to stay in California, why would you go to the Giants instead of staying with the Angels, right? And if you want to win go to the Dodgers yeah I I don't understand the Giants as much
2: I was going to say ineptitude is why you would leave the angels and still stay in California
0: that's fair but then don't you want to win right because it's not like the Giants are on the precipice if they get Shohei Otani now that there's a hundred win team I just don't see that
1: I I think they're making a sales pitch yeah and I and I'm going to get to that with some of my other free agents but I think they're making a sales pitch and I think it's going to be you know why did Corey Seager go to the Texas Rangers um, I, I think maybe they offered him more money, but I think they made him a sales pitch. And I, I think that's what what the Giants are gonna do and they're gonna close it. Farhan's gonna close the sales pitch.
0: Yep. I just I cannot see the Giants outbidding the Dodgers and the Dodgers saying, All right, we lost here. The, there's more money to go
2: around in San Francisco like it's Otani and that that's what I'm excited for.
0: Fair enough. I think, but I think we're all, we don't think he's going to Toronto. No, we don't think he's going to Chicago and we don't think he's going to New York. I think we're all on the same page of, I, we think he stays in California. It's just which California team does he choose? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yoshinobi Yamamoto, the big gun. When I was researching like what type of contract prediction I wanted to give him, I was like, holy shit, he's going to get way more than I even thought. Aaron at 30 years old, seven years, $172 million. Garrett Cole signed a nine-year, $324 million deal at 29 years old. Now, Garrett Cole, I understand. He's going to get more money than Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He is not proven, right? He has not thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball. But you could argue he is the greatest pitcher ever to come out of the MPB. His stuff is incredible. And he showed it on the big stage in the World Baseball Classic. And something that a lot of free agent pitchers never get to do is be a free agent at 25 years old, right in the prime, right? No real injury concerns. Also, since the start of 2021, one four four ERA in three years. He wins, you know, the Japanese Cy Young every single year. He seems to just be a rocket ship heading for major league baseball. We can mock him to a ton of different teams, but I really want to talk about what type of contract we see him getting first, because realistically he could go to any team that needs starting pitching. Every team is doing their due diligence. We just saw Steve Cohen flying to Japan. We've seen Brian Cashman do the same thing. We've seen all these different GMs showing their respect in order to give him the bag, because I think it's not a secret anymore. That this guy is better than Kodai Senga and five years younger. He's at the same level, if not more, than Masiero Tanaka, then you, Darvish, all of the great pitchers that have came over. So I'm going to throw my contract prediction at you guys and just see how it sticks. Nine years, $250 million.
2: I think, right that's, I think that's pretty strong. I'm actually going more money, one fewer a year. I went eight that's for 265. I, two. I, I think at... 33, 33, a little over 33 a year is eight for
1: 265. Yeah, I was at like eight for 240, but it's like roughly around the same range of like, I, I could see it going any of the, you know, that's within shouting distance there. And um, I think a lot of teams are going to be willing to do that too so it's really going to be his choice of where he wants to play um it's (laughs) there's just so much going for him and we've talked about it we've broke it down a ton i just saw that video that came out recently we were talking about the other day like i've never seen somebody be able to an athlete be able to move their body like that especially a pitcher i mean if you haven't seen that go look on twitter just search yoshinobu yamamoto it'll come up he is the most mobile and that's why he can make 510 you know turn into 95 averaging with the fastball and repeat his mechanics and do all the things that he does he's remarkable uh and young so yeah i think it's it's around 250 million give or take a year you know i I, that's i'm I'm with you there arm i really wanted to ask
0: you this question because we haven't really talked about it and i know he's 25 so it doesn't really match up that well but you're making a top 100 list the best in the business where would you put Yamamoto if you were to compare him to a Jackson Holiday?
1: One. Nope.
0: one. That's the kind that's of a great question.
1: We, we actually, I, I, I think we t- I talked about it on the call up because it was like, it started to break my brain. Now it's like, no, 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 that's not going to break my brain. I love Jackson Holiday. He's a clear number one prospect for me in, in affiliated baseball. But Jackson Holiday hits the open market right now. He ain't getting 250 million.
2: Right? When I asked you on the call up, you did say
1: two behind Holiday. Yeah, it changed my mind. Changed my mind. Why did you change your mind? I I think we finished that piece. I the more I dive into it. I mean, we you have a guy that's perennially going to be a top ten pitcher, I think, as long as he's healthy, maybe better than that in the game. You can't teach uh the depth of his arsenal. You can't teach the mechanics, uh, being able to repeat it the way that he does. Yeah. I always, I hate pitchers when it comes to prospect rankings, right? I, I just will always put them lower for obvious reasons, because I think that's how teams value it. But this is a different scenario. Um, it's like he's been dominating AAA or do- basically better than AAA for eight straight years with unbelievable stuff. And yeah, for me, yeah, I, the more I've thought about it, he'd be number
0: one. And I think pretty, pretty comfortably. And then he goes to the World Baseball Classic and looks like a complete rocket ship. Um, so where's he going? So here's where I now go. I don't think Shohei is going to go to the Giants. But I think Yamamoto does. I think that's their big signing. When I look at the Giants, I look at Logan Webb and then Anthony Discalfani, Ross Stripling. They need pitching, I think, almost more than they need offense, especially pulling up Patrick Bailey from last year. I feel like when you look at the Giants system outside of Kyle Harrison, it's a lot of offensive pieces that are going to be coming up for them. Well, I'm sure, and we're going to talk about more bats going over to them, I think this is the big fish, right? The Japanese guy coming over. It does always seem like they want to stay on the West Coast. Maybe he's different, right? There's a lot of other teams that are going to be involved. Maybe he goes to New York, right? Kodai Senga went to the New York Mets. Masahiro Tanaka went to the Yankees. Hideki Matsui. There have been plenty of Japanese players that have gone East, but I think the Giants, when they miss out on Otani, are going to be that team that says, give us Yamamoto. This is where we're going to spend the money. And then Giants fans can say, All we need is a few offensive pieces because next year we're going Logan Webb, Yamamoto, and then we could potentially add more, which we'll get to later. So I have Yamamoto going to the Giants.
2: So it's been pretty well reported that Yamamoto would prefer to play with another Japanese player. And that was kind of my hang up with the Dodgers because I've got Shohei going to the Giants and I was like, oh, he would be a great Dodger. Then they go get the best pitcher on the market maybe not the case. Like I think the Dodgers should be considered here, especially if they don't get Otani, but I've been doing my my best to read about the friendships that he has with other Japanese players. And it seems like he and Senga were not friends and Senga has tried to kind of forge a friendship in the last year or two. So I like that. Uh, but apparently he's tight with Masataka Yoshida, which is interesting. And apparently he's somewhat tight with Seiya Suzuki. Um, I still go with the Mets because I think Steve flew over there and said, "Hey, we're going to give you eight for
0: two (laughs) sixty-five. Say no, and I kill you." And uh, I think that's what (laughs) Yamamoto's doing. It could just be that Steve Code's like, "Yeah, I know you don't really like Senga, but do you like forty million extra?" And he's like, "Yeah, Senga and I could be friends.
2: (laughs) And and they could be boys. I don't know. That's just what I've read on
0: Twitter, man. Like I'm all about the NPB friendship gossip circles. I know it's like." I've read those reports too, Jack. I just—it's hard for me to believe that he's going to stare down the barrel of these two hundred million dollar contracts and be like, you know what? I'd rather play with my boys. I just—but
2: like, he talks two twenty with two twenty with
1: a boy versus two sixty with no boys. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think I might take two sixty with no boys. (laughs) (laughs) I—I got—I got Boston. Um, Mm. I thought you were gonna say Red Sox. I was like, damn it. So I've got him going to Boston because you know Boston did kind of kick the tires on on Otani reportedly. I think you know they probably got priced out a little bit, and he probably wasn't the most desired location for him. And I think they're they're eager to spend money. They need pitching bad, and uh, I think this is a spot that they do it. It's a guy that's gonna be able to be you know their ace for the next eight years. Um so I, I i really like the idea of being able to go get him. You have sale coming off the book, so you can backload the deal a little bit if you know the Fenway group wants to continue to prioritize Liverpool. Uh I, I just I feel like Boston's a really good fit for him and he has the Yoshida familiarity. And I think this is going to be the big spend that they make to try to expedite this, you know, this push to get back to the top of the AL East.
0: I like that one. I was deciding between the Giants and the Red Sox too. And I think the Mets is a good one as well, because it could just be Steve Cohen's world and we're all living in it. Right. Kind of is. But the thing is, Jack, do you put any stock in the transition year that this is not going to be the year that they spend big? that 2025 is more their window. That's why I had the Mets on the outside looking in. I was really deciding between the Giants and the Red Sox. And I just went with the Giants.
2: No, I I don't really place any stock in it because if we've learned anything about the Mets, 2024 is going to eat them alive and they're going to do everything in their power to compete in 2025. And if I'm signing a pitcher to an eight-year deal, he has to be okay with being around 500
0: in the first year. Has to be. very fair. Arm, you got any final points on that before we move on? No, that's all I got. Cody Bellinger. Uh, this guy is the most interesting free agent, I think, on the market, outside of, of course, Shohei Otani and maybe Yamamoto, but in terms of offensive piece, because Cody Bellinger had an all-world year last year, but there have been a couple of seasons where he was below replacement level and a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers that brings in every free agent and fixes them decided he wasn't worth fixing. Scott Boris commented on this. Um, He told Bob Nightingale of USA Today, and I quote, he was hurt plain and simple. He had surgery, and the Dodgers asked him to play with a 35% strength deficiency. And then with COVID, he was deprived of the expert medical treatment. He didn't have the shoulder strength. He's now fully back. Quick reaction to those comments before we get to predictions, Arm.
1: Yeah, that's that's some that's some Boris posturing if I've ever heard it. I look, he figured it out. He, found, I'm sure that another year removed from the shoulder issue helped. The Dodgers making him play at 35, like 35 percent strength. What the? F- who even? I've never heard of that as a descriptor. Doctors mine. you don't trust yeah, the doctors? doctors? Like, oh, yep, yep. That's he's a, he's at a 35 percent strength deficiency here. Uh, like, what? What are we talking about? That part's crazy. That doesn't help. That doesn't. I don't think teams are even taking that seriously, but it is really fun. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was hilarious when I saw also, it. I saw the I Dodgers the front. Quote. I think Friedman was like, what? what? <laughs> also, no,
2: uh, no normal socially comfortable person says 35% deficiency. They just say he's playing at 65%. <laughs> yeah. a weird thing and subtracted.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also just like so specific, like you could nail that. But uh, uh, this is part of my prediction with the larger, the larger plan here. Giants. Again, mm. Giants, they sell Otani on, hey, we're going to get a center fielder as well. We're going to get a guy that you've, you've seen plenty of and, you know, who's he's back, right? And he could be MVP form again. I don't know if he's going to be that, but it, they're, they're going to sell him on that. Now we've got two superstars. And, you know, I, I think you look at center field, can kind of take over that for them. I can already see the ball splashing into McCovey Cove uh, when he just golfs one out into right field. I, I think it's important for them to have a good defender out there with the cavernous outfield and and, and just the unique dimensions of it. I think he's going to be extremely valuable for them. So I think just shy of $200 million, I think that some of the contracts we've seen thrown out there for Bellinger are, are are absurd. I think it's seven years, 180, maybe I'm low, but I, I think that's where the Giants are able to get in and uh, get Otani and Belly. So I found um, a comp
0: contract-wise that I think makes sense Brandon Nimmo when he signed his eight-year $162 million deal. Brandon Nimmo had a 5.3 F4 in his walk year. Belly was at 4.1. Nimmo has also been much more consistent on the field while he has dealt with injuries, but I'm seeing contracts for Bellinger, and the reason I bring this up is that the contracts for Bellinger are getting in the 10-year range, and the $200-plus million range, and I'm thinking to myself, what team is going to Give him that. And then I'm looking at Brandon Nimmo in the eight-year 162 that was just signed last season, thinking to myself, is he worth $40, $50 million more? Even in their walk year, he was one win below Brandon Nimmo. Jack, what type of contract do you think Bellinger, Like, are you buying into the market just overreacting to Bellinger and the fact that he did hit 47 home runs? He did win an MVP, right? Nimmo ain't never win an MVP but Nemo has been much more consistent than Cody Bellinger
2: yeah I think Boris can whip teams into a frenzy like that's how this cat's a borderline like he's a he's a multi multi multi-millionaire I have no idea what Boris's net worth is but this guy has literally made his career. whipping teams into a frenzy and making them do something that they regret and that's not an indictment on Boris that's a testament to Scott Boris because he's doing the best job of any agent in sports he pushes the limits on what's comfortable to offer a player and he makes players more money than any other agent in sports I I think San Francisco pays him 200 million over seven years it's 28 and a half million dollars a year
0: that's so much money. So you are you guys are still in San Francisco's meat? Yeah. Yes. All of yes. it. That's, I don't know if I can buy like you. I mean, I already do have one guy going to San Francisco, so it's not like I don't see the vision at all. What, they drop in $750 million this offseason? Yeah. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Um, I got Cody Bellinger going to the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays have been connected to guys like Juan Soto, to guys like Shohei Otani. I think this is where they strike. I look at the Blue Jays outfield, and no wonder they're in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. They have George Springer slated in right field. Dolan Varsho played a lot of left field, but of course he can play center. And then they have Nathan Lukes. And then outside of that, Spencer Horowitz, Ernie Clement can play a little bit outfield. Otto Lopez they need a big time outfielder and preferably one that can play center. So you can put Dalton Varsho in left field. There's also the scare that George Springer can get hurt again, right? George Springer is perpetually injured. I don't want it to happen. Baseball is better when George Springer is kicking ass and in right field, diving for plays and hitting home runs. But the reality is that George Springer is getting towards the tail end of his career. I think that Bellinger is the piece that the Blue Jays need here, especially in the outfield. I think when they miss out on Soto, when they miss out on Otani, and Kevin Kiermaier is as good as gone, I assume, right? So I think Bellinger to Toronto makes the most sense in my mind. Yeah, I can see it, I guess. Like you like that? What do you like think it. about the Brandon Nimmo contract? Do you like? I, I had the contract nine years, 165. I, I still I think would pay that, just to be clear. I yeah. would not give him this contract.
2: I think that's really cheap across nine years, I will say.
0: Super long deal, though. It's Still 165 Like Oh, yeah. like Yeah, no, but you might be right. It might be cheap. I guess I'm more thinking I kind of factored in more my opinion on it rather than a sound prediction of what I'd give him. And, you know, I am who I am. Sometimes, you know, I'm biased. Um, should we talk Mac Chapman? This one, yes,
2: great. and and it's good that we knocked out. I I think the
0: three big fish, so we can just go rapid fire through these guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, Matt Chapman, the contract. I had much more time figuring out what I should pay him rather than the team. I mean, the Chicago Cubs is just like yeah, I yeah, think the it, most obvious answer for Matt Chapman. They need a third baseman. That infield defense. You go Chapman, Swanson, Horner. You could put me at first base. Like that infield defense is going to be already elite. It was already great, but you add one of the best third basemen defensively, one of the best defensive shortstops, one of the best defensive second basemen, and Matt Chapman is going to give you much more production than the Wisdoms did. Than who is now slated Nick Madrigal, Matt Chapman to the Cubs. Did any of you guys have another one? I feel like That's we didn't even talk. But it's I like had. no shit. It has to be I had, the Cubs.
1: I had Chapman to the Cubs too. I I just can't really find a better fit than that. Yep. Yeah. I was thinking of the Dombacks, but
0: then, of course, they traded for Eugenio Suarez. So it's now it's just I think we're waiting on the Cubs contract value. I did six years, 126, and I don't feel great about it, but I think that makes sense.
2: I think this cat's going to get sneaky paid. I, I had six for
1: 140. Mm. Oh, I got I, I'm going lower. I don't think there's as many suitors, and I might drive it down a little bit. I'm going to go five for for 115.
0: Okay. Mm. Fair enough. Blake Snell pretty big fish. Yeah. So yeah. No, go ahead, Jack.
2: No, I mean, I this guy if you've been listening to the podcast all year, you know this guy pisses me off. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's ridiculous. I the fact that he's a multi-time Cy Young winner and he's on a list with, I mean, some of the all-time greats as guys to win Cy Youngs in multiple leagues. I i see the meme of all the troops standing by the door and then the clown in the middle of him. And I'm like, that's Blake Snell. Uh, it's really hard to convince me to give big money to a guy that walks five per nine, but he's going to get big money for a guy that walks five per nine.
0: I hope in like 10 to 15 years when Blake Snell's name appears on the ballot, we have a vote and Jack like has to vote for Blake Snell to get in the Hall of Fame when he's a three-time Cy Young award
2: winner when he wins one next year too. Can't do it. Guy won the Cy Young when he led the
0: National League in walks issued. I can't do that. Some team's still going to pay him. So, Arm, you had Yamamoto going to the Red Sox. I think it's Blake Snell who's going to the Boston Red Sox. They just need the arm. And I feel that the Red Sox... And that's why Yamamoto makes much sense. They can take a little bit of a gamble because while the Red Sox, I know it doesn't seem like they have a ton of starting pitching depth, but I think they have enough arms to get through the year. If Blake Snell were to go down, were not to be quite as effective, like Nick Pavetta did take a step up, they still have Brian Bayo. they still have Cutter Crawford, you know whatever they get from Tanner Houck, and then of course you still have you know Chris Sale. So I think they can take a little bit of a gamble here and go get Blake Snell I think that's the arm that makes a lot of sense because again outside of Chris Sale who is you know up and down off the IL they don't have a lefty either so that's why I thought it was the best fit uh, Blake Snell the Red Sox
1: if I didn't have Yamamoto going to the Red Sox I would have had Snell to the Red Sox um, but instead I got Snell going to the Mariners he's begging mm. for it he's absolutely begging for it the Mariners continue to clear up money and I think they use that to go get a Snell and then I think Ryan DeVish floated this, which is really funny. Um, he does a great job on the Mariners beat, and I didn't see it until after uh, after I had already literally just laid out my entire master plan. um, And then I guess DeVish already had, had talked about it as a potential option. Sign Snell, then trade one of your young arms to go get some position player help, which I will get to later on at the end of this episode here. But yeah, I think Snell for around six years, 170, something around that range. Yeah, I had seven
0: for 175. So I just added an extra year and five more million dollars to that. I just, I've heard so much about the Mariners thing, and he's from Shorewood, Washington. He's a Washington guy. So it makes sense, right? Relative hometown kid. He wants to pitch there. But the Mariners are salary dumping and they're trading offensive pieces. Like, why are they going to go get another starter? I just, I get the narrative.
1: Yeah. I just said it. They're going to go then trade one of their young arms and go get impactful bats that could be available.
0: Yeah. No, I get it. I just... No, it's a good master plan. Just didn't really... Yeah, I guess they might do that. So, I'm not an NFL guy at all, but
2: I was watching Sunday Night Football a couple weeks (laughs) ago... Uh, in Seattle and Aram, Aram texted me. was like, I've got this, you know, like he was like, Snell to Seattle makes a ton of sense. I was like, wait, why, why do I remember seeing that clip of Mike Tirico saying over Snell, like ringing that bell or whatever they do in Seattle that he badly wants to play for the Mariners. I was like, why does Mike Tirico know that? Mm -hmm. Like it was bizarre, but I I guess this all just kind of makes sense in the grand scheme and it would be so poetic If two years after they gave Robbie Ray that deal, they give Blake Snell a deal, too.
0: I I think those guys are very similar. (laughs) Yeah, I just I can't imagine the Mariners spending huge money on more pitchers. But Arm, I know, like I said, like, I guess that's why it didn't really click with me, because I just I still can't imagine them spending all their money again on pitching. But
1: we'll see. Weird.
0: It might get weird. Poto gets weird. The Poto does get very weird. Jack, where you got him going? Uh, San Diego.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think they're dumping a bunch. I think he ends up in, back in San Diego. Um, I, I think that it's going to be really hard to convince them that Michael King and Drew Thorpe and Robbie Snelling are all going to be like the starting rotation in 2024. I think that they need to sell their fans on something when they have Machado and Tatis and they just gave Cronenworth an $80 million extension. So I, I think he just goes back.
0: I could very easily see that. Uh Jordan Montgomery. Another pitcher. I, what are you doing? No,
2: I've, I've got, I've got a galaxy brain thought, but you go ahead, and lay the groundwork.
0: I have also a galaxy brain thought. I didn't really know how to introduce it. So you go ahead, you introduce your galaxy brain. So, uh,
2: a residency in dermatology typically is about three to four years. Um, his wife just started her residency at Boston College. Oh Montgomery's living in Boston this off season. so she's there for three years. I think Montgomery signs a four year deal with the Boston Red Sox.
0: I like that galaxy brain a lot. Arm,
1: I got him right back to to Texas. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They want to keep him. I think he he wants to stay. That's simple for me.
0: Here's my galaxy brain. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks facing the Texas Rangers saw what happened in the World Series, that they needed another starter, how dominant he was, the veteran presence there. They just saw him in the World Series, and they need a pitcher. And I know they still have Gallon, I know they still have Kelly, and I know the emergence of Brandon fought. but the offense is pretty squared away at this point. I think you get another pitcher like a Jordan Montgomery, a proven playoff performer. And then you call it an offseason. I got six years, 150 to the Arizona Diamondbacks because I look at the rest of the rotation, right? It's Ryan Nelson. It's Tommy Henry. If you put Jordan Montgomery in there and then you can gamble on if either one of those guys takes a leap, right? We saw Tommy Henry start to do that last year. That's a real rotation. So I like Jordan Montgomery to the Arizona Diamondbacks. We like it? I like yep. it. Let's keep moving. Jung-Hoo Lee, coming over from the KBO. Um, Aram, you've been writing a ton of great stuff on JustBaseball.com, of course, about jung Hu Lee. Give us a quick primer before we make our predictions.
1: Yeah, I mean, elite, bat-to-ball, uh, good runner, great defender in center field. We'll see how much power, but you know, I think it's a really high floor that a lot of teams are going to be interested in. But also that perhaps limited ceiling might drive down and also coming over from you know the the kbo instead of the mpb could make him a little bit cheaper which is why i got him go to the padres after they clear up that juan soto money for about five years 75 million dollars easy backloaded a little bit you could get by these next couple years and i think lee's a perfect fit for them in center field and kind of exactly what they need and exactly what they've been looking for you stole my
0: prediction and my contract value. I literally had five years, 75 to the stadium no because awesome. of that. Like you took the words out of my mouth. So skip my turn. Same exact contract value and team as arm. <laughs> Jack, go ahead. Um, I I was of the thinking
2: that Seattle was going to trade for Juan Soto and Jung-Hoo Lee would end up in New York. Now that it looks like the Yankees are trading for Juan Soto, I've got Jung-Hoo Lee going to Seattle. Hmm. Mm. I think I Lee goes to the other team. Of those two, I think Lee just goes to the other team that Soto doesn't.
0: I could see that. They certainly need outfield, especially after trading Jared Kelnick. Yeah. Like they have Julio, Dominic Canzone, and the Oscar's a free agent. Like there's space. That would there's be base. an
1: unbelievable defensive outfield between, uh-huh. and you could give Julio some days off from center field. Like you could, you know, try to, I know he's young, but like it's always nice to get him off their legs a little bit. That would be an unreal defensive outfield. And you need an unreal defensive outfield in T-Mobile.
0: It's a big ballpark. Absolutely. All right, let's keep moving on. Marcus Stroman. I got him going two years, 50 to the Twins. And I basically think that they want to get Sonny Gray on a discount, if that makes sense, (laughs) right? I still think they want to remain competitive. I just didn't think they wanted to go above and beyond to give Sonny Gray that third year. And I think this is the guy where they say, all right, this is the two-year deal that we needed. It's not crazy expensive, but Stroman at his peak can deliver you similar production to a Sonny Gray. I think this is a cheaper option with as much upside as a Sonny Gray. The problem is it's a lower downside with Stroman and his inability to stay on the field last year. But I think Stroman to the twins uh, for two years, 50 is my choice. So
2: my pushback there is how much cost does Minnesota have to cut? Because them and Texas are the two that Diamond pulled out of coming into this year. Bally is going to be extinct after the 2024 season. But going into the 2024 season, um, much like you've seen with San Diego and Arizona, Major League Baseball took over the telecast. Like Bally is no longer televising Padres games or Diamondbacks games. Opening day 2024, MLB is going to be producing the telecast of Twins and Rangers games. So they mentioned that they wanted to shed payroll. I don't know how much payroll that means they shed. Uh, Having said that, I'm going to another team that has Major League Baseball producing their telecast. I think Stroman makes a ton of sense in Arizona. And I know that you already have a Diamondback. I've got just him in that Diamondbacks rotation.
0: Yeah, I I, I read about that, too. I just think shedding gray obviously you know you weren't paying that but then you're right. you're taking on a stroman which is not as expensive you didn't have to pay for sunny gray but yeah i think the Dimebacks make sense i think the down are going to add a pitcher it's just about who yeah and stroman does make sense there i just feel like the twins like their window is still right now right they can win this division again it's not right. like the guardians are making big moves the white socks are in piss the royals we still need to see Right, and then of course the Tigers, who are a sneaky team, but it's still the Twins' division. I think they have to add a starter. You just lost Sonny Gray. Like that's, he finished second in American League Cy Young voting. You have to add a starter, and I think this is the best slash cheapest option for them without locking into a six-year deal.
1: Or, or they believe in in Chris Paddock. Yeah, stepping in, it could. Good, so we'll see. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how the Twins can can manage the the money situation. Go ahead. Who do you got? Oh, I didn't get my prediction yet. Nope. I got Marcus Stroman yet. to the Reds. Um, mm. you know, I think they're they're surveying the trade market. I think getting the number 2 pick in the draft could inspire them to be a little bit more aggressive but ultimately you know, I think they have money to spend and, and this is kind of a sweet spot for them right they don't need to go crazy but they can you know put something together here on like a 3 year deal 65 70 million something very similar to what he signed with 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 Chicago before um I think that's going to be the Reds guy fits really well ground ball pitcher in a park where you need those ground balls. I think Stroman's a perfect fit for the Reds. He wanted to sign an extension for the with the Cubs. They didn't offer one to him, as far as we know. And Stroman strikes me as the kind of guy that would love to shove it, you know, in that division and and remind them that they made a mistake. So I I, I love Stroman to the Reds.
0: I could definitely see that too. Stroman's going to play for a bunch of <laughs> National League Central. So teams. many teams. Um, next up, this contract makes me want to vomit, but. That's what happens when the market is the market. Josh Hader. Um, the benchmark has to be Edwin Diaz at five years, 102. To him more, give him less, it's going to be around that mark, I think. Similar ages, similar production. I didn't know where really to send him, um, but I thought a team that could be in need for a bullpen guy, a legit bullpen ace, as they say, is the Texas Rangers. Now, it's probably my least confident prediction out of every single player that I have on my Google Doc, but I was looking around the league. The Rangers, I don't think, are going to spend much anywhere else. Could it be the bullpen? Could they sign the big fish in Josh Hader? But I could be convinced elsewhere. I don't really know where he's going.
2: That was my most confident prediction. Hader gets an identical Diaz deal with the Texas Rangers. Like That's the only team I've heard in regards to Hader.
1: Ooh. I'm going, I'm going to go a little different. Josh Hader to the Astros. They surprise us here. They always like to to throw some money around here and there. I know their bullpen's already elite, but they're not going to go spend on starting pitching. I I don't think they are. I think they're going to kind of roll with what they've got. Wait, hope that Garcia gets back, but I don't think he's going to be back until maybe late, late, late in the season. What what I do think makes sense is just building that super pen, and I think I could see them go that route. I, I like him a similar, maybe a little bit cheaper of a deal over to Houston. Hater's got to have the ninth, though. So Abreu for the seventh, Presley for the eighth, Hater for the ninth. Presley struggled, um, and and I you know I thought relative to what we're used to. So I like Hater in the ninth there, and now you have the most lights out bullpen seven eight nine that you're going to find in Abreu's cheap for a little bit. You know, and Hector Neris, man, Do they bring him back? Nah, let Neris go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Neris is the closer for the Red Sox. That's my
0: that's my uh, celebrity toss in.
1: Yeah, you really wanted to talk Neris.
0: Gota Imananga coming over from the MPB I'm very interested to see what his contract looks like could he get something similar to a Kodai Senga I mean just the more I hear about this guy Aram I'm kind of excited about him we'll get into our contract prediction but again you've been so deep in the weeds let's get a quick primer
1: yeah that that's our most recent NPB KBO top international free agent prospects that we've talked about uh that's the most recent article on just can make sure we link that in the episode description. But check out – break down the entire arsenal, which is actually really good. Um, I I think he's going to be another really solid option. And I think the Sanga contract is like the perfect template, which is actually why I've got him to the Mets. The fastball gives him such a high baseline. Yes, it's low 90s, but it's almost identical to Nestor Cortez's in terms of shape, in terms of of, of just getting whiff. Um, And I think it's got some better characteristics, and he's got better secondaries. Great splitter, good slider. He manipulates it to a sweeper. I think teams are really falling in love with Imanaga. The more research they do, and the more that they've seen, and you miss out on uh, Yamamoto. I think an Imanaga at, at pretty much the Kodai Sanga contract to the Mets is exactly what I could see happening. Jack, he's a Chicago Cub. Uh-huh. I think I think he's going to
2: sign uh, very similar to the Sanga deal with the Cubs. I think Imanaga and Steele are going to be back-to-back days in a weekend series where hitters. He, you know, kind of like get on the flight after the Sunday afternoon game and say, "What the fuck just happened? In the last twenty-four hours, we just saw so many invisible four seamers. I don't know what to do with myself."
0: Are you worried that it's a very similar look? Like no. Did the Giant? Did the Cubs want to go back to back with like low nineties lefty, where it's uh, relatively similar stuff?
2: One of them was a Cy Young winner until two weeks were left in the regular season. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It could have a tie. If, if, yeah, like I, I just think if that type is good, stick with that type. It clearly works.
0: Here's my Giants vision. We're talking about how Yamamoto wants to play with um, Japanese friends. Now, I don't know if Imanaga and Yamamoto are great friends, but what I do know is that they play together on the World Baseball Classic team, and they're at least familiar. Maybe they are best friends. Maybe they hate each other. I don't know, but my vision is that both of them go to the San Francisco Giants. I look at a Giants rotation, and I it looks so depleted back there. Like, I have sirens going off in my head when I see Anthony Descalfani as the number two on Fangraph's roster resource. Like, are we kidding? Right? They need to add, I think, two starters. While the Giants... Of course, they still need to add on offense, and I think they might, you know, through the trade market or sign some, like a Teoscar Hernandez or some other offensive pieces that we haven't really talked about. I think they have to shore up this pitching staff, and I think it starts with the two Japanese stars in Shoto Imananga and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. So I got Imananga going to the San Francisco Giants as well. Do you guys see my Galaxy brand there?
1: That'd be fun. I like it, too, because Imanaga is a guy that needs to keep the ball in the yard. His one bit, you know, concern is is home runs. You know, is, is he going to give up too many home runs? And San Francisco would be a great landing spot. I think that's an important thing. I think Imanaga knows that. I do wonder if he's going to try to go to a place where, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit safer for him to be able to keep the ball in the yard. Now over to the
0: trades. Remember, we got Juan Soto, Dylan Sees, Corbin Burns, Tyler Glasnow, Randy Rosarena, and Isak Paredes. Those have been the names that have been floated in the market the most. More likely than not, there will be a player traded that we don't predict because we don't know that they're getting traded. And a couple of guys on this list, who knows, maybe don't get traded. But We feel that these six are the most likely. So we can talk about some trade destinations. And we'll start with the bell of the ball, and that is Juan Soto. It does seem like Juan Soto to the Yankees is imminent. The internet keeps freaking out every 10 minutes. We have a new report being like they're getting closer, they're getting closer, they're getting closer. I will still believe it when I see it. Um, Normally, when things about the Yankees are getting really, really loud, it doesn't end up happening. When they're quiet, that's when they pounce. So I am a little bit worried that it's so out in the open here. That's normally not how Brian Cashman likes to operate, but maybe they just do get him. And maybe Juan Soto does go to the Yankees. And I predicted him to the Yankees. I got written down on the Google Doc. But there's I just got a weird feeling. Do, do you guys share that or not at all?
2: Not at all. They're at the one yard line. Just give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, man. I, I think he's in pinstripes. <laughs> well, they very didn't soon. give it to Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, yeah but yeah. they should. Like, shouldn't you yeah,
1: learn from that? Didn't. Like, give it to Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> I wow. I do think it is weird how public this has been. I think that is fair. Like, it, it's been weirdly just like everyone has a scoop on it, kind of thing. That does make me a little bit like tepid, but. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Yankees. It just—it's too seamless of a fit. They've got the resources. Just—just just finish the deal, and I think they will.
0: I think they will too, and I think it's going to be Michael King. I think it's going to be Drew Thorpe. I think it's going to be Randy Vasquez. They might ask for a guy like Kyle Higashioka to get some catching depth there. Um, could be, you know, Juan Brito as well. It's going to be a package that looks a lot like that. I think it's going to be a lot of pitching depth for San Diego because that's certainly what they lack, and the Yankees do have plenty of it. And Drew Thorpe, like Arm said, 78th-ranked prospect in the Yankee system. I am a big fan of Michael King. If he were to go, I'm not in love with that. Michael King, I love in our rotation next year, but you know it is what it is. You trade Michael King 15 out of 10 times if you're going to get Juan Soto. You trade Drew Thorpe 15 out of 10 times to even get one year out of Juan Soto. Because I think he, we forget, he's on a short list of best hitters in baseball. Is he the best defender? Who gives a shit? He is one of the premier hitters. The The reason that I'm still also not sold on the Yankees truly getting him is, are they going to sign him to a big extension? What are you guys laughing about?
2: <laughs> Nothing. We're just galaxy branding this. And, and trade... I think I think these trade guys are an opportunity to just like go rapid fire fun end of the show because we've got no fucking idea where these guys end up. You know what I mean? Like, think for yourself. I know exactly where they're going.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> percentage chance they sign the they sign Soto to a long term deal. I I put that if they trade for him, I put them at sixty five to seventy percent chance they sign him to a long term deal.
1: I think they get him. They actually have to. I think they don't. I really think they don't. I think they're really going to pay for that. Maybe the negotiating window have a chance. But it's Boris. It's, he's a Boris client. Hit the open market. And I think he's going to want to hit the open market. I think that's the price of one year of Juan Soto. And yeah. I think that's what they're one year and maybe a negotiating window. So I got, I got a 40% chance.
0: Fair enough. Don't cease. If the Orioles don't trade for Dylan Cease, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. <laughs> like, really? they have to trade for Dylan Cease.
2: Okay, uh, no, Atlanta is going to trade for Dylan Cease.
0: <laughs> Come on, Orioles! Back. Come on, Orioles! This is perfect, right here.
2: No, nope, it's it's Matt Olson 2.0, man. They're going to go fleece the White Sox for an Atlanta kid,
0: and uh, Dylan Cease is going to be a Brave. I know that's going to happen, but I don't want it to happen.
1: Sure. Are are you going with you your ready, heart or, you ready or your for brain? Galaxy you brain. Okay, I'm. I'm. I'm laughing because I'm about to galaxy brand you guys again. Philadelphia Phillies. Oh. Dylan Cease is finally in the Phillies prospect price range. Mick Abel, some other pieces, make it happen. Phillies are tired of getting so close. Dombrowski's an aggressive mfer. Their system's gotten better. You lead it with Mick Abel. You put some pieces in there. Dylan Cease would be a huge help to this team and just put them over the top potentially. Love that. Hmm. I love it. I don't mind that and either. because and because they don't want the Braves to get him. These teams are they're, they're bidding against each other. They're fighting each other in this offseason. And here's another opportunity to do so.
0: I like that. We all have different options. I'll make relative sense. Corbin Burns. I I put down a team. I just still don't know if he gets traded. Um, But for the sake of the exercise, I'll say he does get traded. I think this is where the Dodgers pounce. I think this is the team where they miss out on some of these free agents and they say, well, we have just so much prospect depth. We have to make a move here. We need a starter and we need an ace. And that is Corbin Burns. Yes.
1: Corbin Burns. I, I, I have yeah. the Same pick. I was saying have the same pick? exact pick because I thought glass now and I'm like, why would they want another often injured arm? You know, yeah. they they've, they have so much volatility health wise in this rotation. Go get a guy that's been churning out. You know, he's had, he was a little banged up at points, but for the most part, you feel pretty confident that he's going to stay on the field. Um, and and I think it's a guy that is is not going to be overly expensive for how good he is compared to some of these other you know, trades that we've seen in the past that the Dodgers have been willing to make. No-brainer for me. I think they don't get some of these free agents for the first time ever. They pounce on the trade market and they go get a Corbin Burns, as, as Peter said.
2: And Burns is a California kid. I saw Tom Verducci floated the idea of packaging Burns and Adamas together and bringing the Wisconsin kid Gavin Lux home, mm. which makes which makes a good bit of sense. My thought went to Corbin Burns to Baltimore for Joey Ortiz, and then you send Adamus elsewhere in a separate deal. It would take more than Joey Ortiz, though. Okay, Joey Ortiz and somebody else? Yeah. Lower (laughs) level guy? It's one year of Burns.
0: Yeah. It's true. It is one year of Burns. And it's six years of Joey Ortiz. It's just like the name Corbin Burns... Like Never, I feel like you need to give him like nine Jerry, prospects,
1: twenty-five year old shortstop prospect. Yeah, it is. It is weird. I'm I'm very fascinated. I think the return will be more than that, but I don't think it's going to be something crazy.
0: Like it might be cursed,
1: Dad. It could. Could. Do they want I'm them very though? Very interested to see what it looks like. I mean, the Dodgers are going to have their pick of the litter with those those Orioles prospects, and I'm sure, the Orioles would be willing to part with at least one of those guys, one of their main guys to to get a, a Burns. I mean, that makes them instantly. You know, one of the more feared teams in baseball.
0: Burns and Bueller at the top of the rotation. Easy. For the Dodgers. Sounds pretty good. Um, Tyler Glass now. Another big arm. This is where I think the Cubs pounce. We've heard the reports. Cubs and Reds and Cardinals, it seems like the entire National League Central, is interested in Tyler Glass now. And Christopher Morrell has been kind of the name that's starting to be floated as the guy who would maybe head over to Tampa. Um, I don't know the validity of that. I have heard it from... You know, guys like John Morosi, we will see, but that does make sense in my mind because I do think that they need a starter and I think they have enough depth in order to get a glass now. And the reason I said to Jack too about Shota Imananga, that same look back to back, do they really want that? Or do they want the 6899 99-mile-an-hour guy then followed by lefty 91? I just love that different look that they're going to give lineups every couple of days. So that's why I thought Glass now fits with the Cubs just so well, not just because that they need another starter, but he fits in so well with their current rotation. This is where I think the Dodgers
2: go. One-year price point, buys them Gonsolin getting healthy. Um uh, another year of maturation for the rest of their young guys. I think they want a one-year buy. Uh, and I think if Burns doesn't go to LA, that's where they just push the chips in on glass now.
1: There. Arm. I think I've had the D-backs too dormant here, and I think this is the one splash they make. Um, like that. I, th- I think they might make another splash, but I think now that you, you mentioned they took care of third base, this is a, a move for them where they don't have to commit a massive, massive contract, but they've they've got a decent farm. Go, go make a trade for glass. Now um, that's a guy that has the potential to, you know, pair really well with, with Zach gallon at the top of your rotation. Um, and you like what you saw from font and things like that. I think glass now is a, a great fit for them. And then they can attack free agency next year.
0: Randy Rosarina, next up. Um, I think this is how the Mariners solve their outfield woes. Yep. They go get Randy. Um, Randy would be a great personality in Seattle as well. And I think that they are looking for that playoff performer, the guy to kind of put them over the edge there to give them a little bit of an edge. I think Randy just makes all the sense in the world. The guys on the Marine layer podcast, definitely go check it out. All Mariners fans on the just baseball network, Marine layer podcast. They were talking about it. And I was like, that makes so much sense. And instead of stealing what they said, definitely go check out that episode on Randy, but I am going to piggyback on what they were saying. I think Randy makes so much sense in Seattle he's got to stay in
2: tampa like i i have the race. like yeah i can't <laughs> do this especially with wander franco likely not playing another game in major league baseball that's what it seems like and there's been no news on the franco front recently like i you have to plan for life without wander franco in tampa you need one marketable product and randy rozarena is as marketable as they come in tampa
1: yeah, so that's a cop out, and you're a cheater. That's fine. I, would I agree. Love to fine. have kept him in Tampa. I would have. Absolutely- He's a Marlin. <laughs> you, you stink for that because I now I'm like I would have kept him in Tampa too. I I'm having him in this in a package deal. So I'm going to give my both my final my my final two answers here: Randy and Paredes going over mm. to Seattle, mega deal. Gilbert, whoever you figure it out, which one of your, whichever one of the starters you want to move goes the other way. Uh, and this is a large mega deal where the Mariners are now a force with yeah. those two guys. I mean, it, it satisfies two key spots that they needed. We they, we see them open up the spot at third. Uh, that outfield will be a lot of fun now. Um, mega deal. Turn that pitching into you know two two really big bats for you. If Jack. Tell us why Isak
0: Paredes is staying in uh, Tampa.
2: No, he's going to Seattle. Like, I have Paredes mm. in Seattle. It, it has to work like that. So I think that package deal makes a ton of sense. Um, And you can make the price Gilbert. I think Paredes could go for a Hancock and maybe one more. Um, And I would rather get Gilbert and Hancock for a Rosarena and Paredes. You know what I mean? So... I, I like that thinking more than Randy Stang because that's boring as shit. And I'm sorry, listeners, for doing that to you guys. But um, I think Chapman goes to Seattle or Chicago, and the other goes and trades for Isak Paredes.
0: That's just how this offseason's is going to work. I got one. Isak Paredes back to the Tigers. <laughs> think about this for a second. They might just add a couple of these middling moves, right? And there's a starting middling 30- move? He hit 30 last year. No, I know it's not, but it's not the craziest move on the market, right? It is the last name on our Google Doc, right? It's not Burns, <laughs> it's not this. Like it, he's good enough to make the Google Doc, but it's not a crazy move, right? I look at the Tigers and I see a team that there's a window here. I look at a rotation that, you know, they add Kent to Maeda. Of course, I love Scooble. They have Reese Olson. They have Alex Faeedo. They have Casey Mize. There's enough names there to at least get excited. And when I look at the offense, like there are some guys that I really do like, right? They added Mark Hanna. They still got Kerry Carpenter. They still have a Spencer Torkelson, of course, and Riley Green. And like, I assume Baez. they want. Yeah, I, that's what I was about to say. I assume you want to like get the most out of Javi Baez in this enormous contract. And at third base right now, they have Matt Veerling. He only played 35 games at third base, and he's best used as kind of a utility man. He plays all over the infield. I don't know if they really want him starting at third base every day. So I see a team that let's say the Twins are strapped for cash and they aren't adding. The White Sox drink their own urine. The Royals not there yet, and the Guardians just win their 84 games. Could the Tigers make a sneaky run at this? And I think Isak Paredes, former Tiger, Makes
1: a lot of sense here. That'd be fun. I'd like it. Um, yeah, I I I got him going to Seattle, but I would love to see that the Tigers be aggressive and put together a, a good team because the core is starting to come together here. It it definitely is, and they've got some pitching prospects on the way in Job, uh, Ty Madden, some other in, intriguing pieces, Wilmer Flores. So they're getting there. They're definitely getting there, and maybe they can sense that and and push the chips forward a little bit. So that that would be a fun one absolutely should
0: we do a quick recap of all of them or is that going to take too long to just list all of them out
1: i I, will have a graphic for that i think
0: (laughs) i think that's fair so that was the free agency predictions episode luckily while we were recording juan soto has not been traded yet so we got it right in the lick of time but as we all know juan soto will probably be, be traded as you're hearing this and then of course we will have an episode come friday to break it all down but maybe he doesn't get traded so we'll see Hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the just baseball show. That's Jack. That's arm. I'm Peter. Get yourself some just baseball merch rate and review five stars on Spotify and Apple podcasts and hit the damn subscribe button. It's red. It's free. Hit it, hit it, hit it so much more content on there. Arm just posted a video, Arizona fall league stuff. We have more profiles coming out about these Japanese players. We're going to have more short form content. And of course you can watch all of these podcasts on YouTube And again, get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking the athletic tee. I literally wear this every day. This is the most comfortable t-shirt I own. I freaking love it. Get yours in the Just Baseball merch store. We will be back tomorrow. And with that, thank you, everybody.